today on the show, our continued exile and ways to deal with it, our picks of the week, and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. It is indeed time for the Catholic Underground. We are the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent because it's a lot noisier these days and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 420. I am Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, we've got Kathleen Lee. She is the Magistra Maximus, or Maxima, I guess it would be, si. uh, <laughs> at Our Lady of Mercy School, uh, now also in exile in yes. Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. Hey, Kathleen. Absolutely. Hey. <laughs> also, we've got Father Ryan Humphreys. He's the pastor of St. Edward the Confessor Parish in Tallulah, Louisiana. He is an actual believer of the filthy lie that calculus is fun. Hello, Father. <laughs> hey, how do you do? And, of course, if we go up uh, to the, the great satellite, that great satellite that has Jeff Blackwell in it. Yes, yes I'm here. Hey, Jeff. Jeff Blackwell is our technical director, and he joins us. Um, and even even those on the satellite are not safe from That's true. This, uh, this impending danger. I, I forgot my mask. I need to go get that. That's okay. That's all right. Uh, we're recirculating your oxygen now. All right. <laughs> and uh, and Ed is uh, is up there on the, the Jeff Star one as well, running the video. So if you like what you see, it's all Ed's fault. All righty. So, uh, Kathleen, here yep. we are again. Here we are. That's right. We are and, here. Uh, yeah, that's right. And, uh, and Father Ryan joins us by um, by broadband link up and uh, Olivia is on assignment yep. she's actually on assignment because mm-hmm. she's a teacher and uh, like yourself converting all of your actual classroom things right into virtual classroom things yeah. I understand that's no easy task you know it could be easy like what I found was it was super easy for me to do that um, what I'm dealing with now is kids posting things in weird places and oh, not to... following the very clear and simple directions Imagine and, that. <laughs> and emails from parents that are like where do I turn in my kids ass- I mean where do they turn in their assignment you know so it's well but I gotta tell you so like you teach sixth graders mm-hmm. I can't imagine when I was in sixth grade of course we didn't sure. have the internet when I was in sixth grade mm-hmm. but I can't imagine like just knowing where to go yeah. and where to drop things. We're really fortunate at our school because we are next year. Our, the plan is to be a one to one with our sixth through eighth grade. So you're converting. So, so we over. have slowly been, you mm-hmm. know. But it, it was very interesting to see which faculty members obviously have not been, oh, been, you know, on there because there there was some freakouts when it was sure. hey we're gonna post everything online. So for me, you know, as in in my teaching career, that's mm-hmm. all I've ever done is mm-hmm. is online you know, or online compatible stuff, yeah. you know, especially with, with all one-to-one programs that I've right. been, you know, each student has their own device. Um, so for me, I was like, up, oh, yeah, done. Oh yeah. You um, were a, you were a trendsetter. There. Yeah. And I just made it super simple cause it was sixth grade. That's one of the things that, that continues to get me are the numbers that, uh, or the, 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 the time in which we had to kind of prepare for this. Right. That's, that's one of the things that, uh, I still am trying to, to, uh, work within my head, you know, how we had to basically go from, from live to virtual, mm-hmm. virtually live, uh, in a very short period of right. time. Yeah. Um, in fact, that's why, why father Ryan is uh, not in the studio tonight. Uh, father Ryan is up in his parish, um, just kind of being present to our people, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of the things that's, that's all that we can do is to be here in our churches, offering mass and, and praying for them. And of course, thanks to you, father, I was able to set up a, a remarkably effective live streaming rig from, uh, 
from absolutely nothing to you know zero to sixty, so to speak, and very very quickly. You know, partially because of your experience, but but also because the technology is finally there to make it possible to do something fairly complicated with yeah. a minimum of real effort. We can now do in about three clicks what used to take us hours to put together just to do uh, one broadcast of, of this yeah. program. So it really is, it's quite something uh, just to think of where, so for those of you just joining us, by the way, um, welcome for those of you who are new to the Catholic Underground. I know that some of you have found us on Facebook because, well, there's nothing else on right now. And um, <laughs> and uh, we're happy that you're here. And for those of you who are joining us on on Catholic TV, um, on, on the Catholic Faith Network, on Catholic Life Television, uh, thank you very much for your continued presence. Um, and uh, when we started in 2006, none of these things were that, that we're taking for granted now existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Facebook really didn't exist in the way that it does now. Um, podcasting was something that was just fairly new, and so we were kind of like making things fit together in dongles yeah. and cords that didn't actually go together. Yeah, just to to kind of be a little ahead of the curve. Uh, and so it really is kind of something to see so many, I don't know, did you guys get a little chill up your spine today to see almost every priest that you've yeah. ever known yes. offering mass mm-hmm. digitally? Yes, 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 yes. I mean, Facebook was flooded yeah. with it. Yeah. And it was good to see, you know, priests that, that don't normally have an online presence. Yeah. Um, you know, some, some older priests, I had, my aunt asked me, she said, how do I, how do I watch the mass? Mm-hmm. And I said, which one do you want? Right, yeah. This takes <laughs> like know? Paris shopping to a new do level. You, yeah, do you have a preference? Is there somebody you're looking for? You know? <clears throat> yeah, that's that was true. really cool to see. And so one of the other things, um, I know in, in our diocese in Baton Rouge, um, our directives have been uh, fairly fairly strict. Our bishop says, I, I'm intentionally kind of making them making them pretty, pretty narrow right now so that we can kind of get a handle sure. for what's going on so that we can then determine how to respond. And so your actual mileage may vary in your diocese, but uh, a couple of dioceses in our area, as well as throughout the United States, are doing things like uh, drive-through confessions. Mm-hmm. And this is, I mean, Father, you know, like all of a sudden we have to get creative because all of the sacraments require you to be present. Mm-hmm. And that's... Oh, right. And I think that what makes this a little different is that priests for a long time have had the courage to say, look, I'm not worried about myself, but because so much of the problem is about other people infecting, especially older folks, and because we have a lot of older folks in our parishes, it's not a function of I'm willing to risk myself. It's a function of I don't want to cause other people to get sick. And so we've had to be very creative, not just as an act of I don't have the courage to put my life on the line, but I don't want to see, you know, other people harmed. And so that's been, for me at least, the hardest thing to wrap my head around in terms of of what we can do and what we can't do. Mm -hmm, Exactly. So Father Scott Holmer of the St. Edward the Confessor Catholic Church in Bowie, Maryland, Maryland, no relation, Maryland, no no relation, is offering drive-through confessions to his parishioners after the Archdiocese of Washington suspended all public masses uh, effective March 14th of 2020. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you're watching this you know, on some archive many years from now, this is exactly where we were, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, Father Homer, uh, Homer issued a statement on his parish's website explaining that the Mass is the heart of our life together as Catholics. It's certainly a source of sorrow that none of us are able to attend Mass together because of the health crisis threatening our nation and world. I'd like to ask you to uni- unite your prayers with the holy sacrifice of the Mass that I'll be offering in private by spending some day, sometime each day in personal prayer 
and by continuing to maintain your Lenten discipline of prayer, fasting, and works of mercy. He then said, since I can't guarantee your physical safety by opening up the church or the office to visitors, I've set up a drive through confessional and will be hearing confessions in the church parking lot to maintain a six-foot distance while penitents stay in their cars. And it's really interesting just the nature of how social media works. Mm -hmm. As soon as some of these kind of drive through confessionals started popping up, all of a sudden... Yeah. All these young priests were doing it. <laughs> yeah. I saw many of them like, you know, posting that on, on social media and then saying, this is something I never thought I would do. Or, mm-hmm. you know, we joked about this all the time and now it's a reality. But how cool is that, that it, that, you know, not that, not that that's our reality right now, yeah. but that this is what's available to us. Right. Exactly. You know, and that there are people that, that still are, are desiring to go to confession, that, yep. you know, and there are some people who, because of the times, not uh, because of the situation want to go, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, to be able to do that, Father Father Homer added that seminarian Joseph McHenry will direct traffic. The seminarian will also <laughs> tell Father Homer to blindfold his face for those wishing to go behind the screen. Hmm. Father, this is a Lent like any other, unlike any other. <laughs> it's it's a, a moment unlike any other. I mean, you'd have to go back, you know, hundreds of years to find anything quite like what we're experiencing now. And even then, it was always very localized. So it's it's a really crazy moment in our history. Yeah, this is something that we, we haven't seen. And so um, I, I would just once again urge you to pray for your clergy, uh, pray for your priests, um, pray for the deacons as well, pray for the seminarians, and please pray for our bishops. Uh, this is not easy for them, but uh, but especially because we have to kind of figure out ways to adjust mm-hmm. in a very rapidly changing situation to be pastorally available to you. And again, we're trying to to follow um, in obedience the wishes of the Holy Father, of of, of our various archbishops, sure. and then the local bishop of our diocese too. So it's a lot of there's a lot of chain of command stuff that we have to do. But Father, I think you'd probably agree in saying this is not just about following rules because that's what we do. We follow rules. But but there's something important about the obedience that's involved. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those spiritual things that we, we've we not thought a whole lot about as a church, uh, especially as we've become kind of more concerned with the legal aspects and all the, you know, the PR stuff of the last 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah. You know, we, we've kind of lost touch with the charism is the word we use in the church of obedience. I mean, yeah. Teresa of Avila talking about how obedience for a person in religious vows or religious orders is tantamount to love. They're basically the same thing. If you love me, says the Lord, you will keep my commands. Mm-hmm. And so at this moment in, in particular, we have that, that wonderful tension, the genuine good tension between doing what the Lord wants in my heart that I think and being obedient to our superior. And that's that's actually a really good thing for us. a person religious vows, a person uh, who is ordained. It's a good thing to kind of keep always before us. That's yeah. right. And, and certainly for the faithful as well, because it can be, we, we're in such a, like a, a drive-through culture mm-hmm. that we expect whenever we order something at the window, it's going to be ready for us whenever we, you know, or when we order at the box, it'll be ready at the window. Right, yeah. And, uh, and, and that's a difficult thing uh, for us now to realize that the, that the things that I just kind of count as, as part of being a Catholic are not readily available mm-hmm. to me. Um, that actually causes us to have to be obedient to things. Yeah. And, and that, that, teaches, that teaches a virtue, a very important virtue. Yeah. Um, also, it's an activation of a gift of the Spirit of being able to be long-suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, or that's a fruit of the spirit, isn't it? Uh, to to be able to to withstand things, right? And and then to to grow as, as a result spiritually as a result of that. 
Um, Father Homer said, I believe the Lord is inviting us to an increased concern for the welfare of our neighbors and offering us the opportunity to make sacrifices for them. What a great Lenten penance for us all. One of the things that he mentioned is uh, Father Homer said that I want you to continue your Lenten practices of prayer, of fasting, and works of mercy. Mm. I'd also really use the very intentional word of almsgiving. So here's the deal. Um, You and I both know that we don't know how long this is going to continue. And uh, you and I both know that that things could get kind of crunchy whenever it comes to, to your paychecks and things like that. This is an opportunity for almsgiving mm-hmm. um, to, even if you have to bring way down what you're giving to your parish, to give from your poverty so that the works of the church can continue, uh, that's, an, that's an important thing. Um, yeah. And it's not just an important thing to, to, to write a check, but it's a spiritual reality. And sometimes because the offertory basket just kind of passes us on Sunday right. and we drop our, our offering in, we don't really think too much about it. Or if you have an online giving kind of thing, mm-hmm. you don't think about it because it comes out of your bank account. This is an opportunity to, to very willfully say, I choose to support the works of the church, and I do this as a giving of alms. Right. And I think that... Well, you know, the, yeah. the, the buzzword a bit back was intentional, right? We want to be yeah. intentional community, intentional disciples, and, and we have an opportunity to be intentional in a way that we really have never had as Americans. You know, yeah. it's, it's the Burger King culture, your way, right away. Um, and so... You know, this, like you say, this is an opportunity uh, to to be intentional in every aspect of our, our prayer, our fasting, our works of mercy, our almsgiving, all of those things. And I mean, as, as miserable as it is, there is a beauty in that, you know, all things work to the good of those who love the Lord. There is an opportunity here that we don't want to miss. Right, exactly. And so... Um we just exhort you to uh, to make use of what is available in your diocese. Um, if you are if you are relegated to the monastery of your home, then uh, be able to make use of what your your parishes and your diocese are uh, providing for you over social media. One of the great uh, kind of bugaboos in my head is I still don't know how to get to all of my parishioners who don't have the internet or don't yeah. have social media, and and that that's still. I, I don't know how we do that. You know, yeah. um, one of the folks in, in uh, my nightly Complins uh, suggests activating the quarantines, you know, having young people go out and actually <laughs> bring the bulletin or bring uh, yeah, the yeah, DOS yeah. and newspaper or publication and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Uh, and what's really strange is now I find myself, uh, because I'm in a smaller grouping of parishes, we don't have accurate lists right now of all that, yeah. you know? Right. And so we, we really are trying to struggle to keep up. So please pray for your priests, pray for your parishes. Uh, that they're able to continue to provide for your spiritual needs. If nothing else, uh, there will be bread, there will be wine, and I have my missile, so we will be praying the Mass for you. Fear not, fear not that. The Mass, the sacrifice will continue to be offered. Just as a little quick bonus here, uh, you know there's actually a St. Corona. I have heard this, (laughs) yes. Mm -hmm. Martyred uh, along with St. Victor. (laughs) Coincidence? We think not. In the year 177, uh, her story is recorded centuries after she reportedly lived near what is now Syria, according to scholars. Her name comes from the vision of the two crowns that she reportedly saw, because, uh, you know, corona is the, the Latin word for crown. Huh? Mm-hmm. According to later legends, one for herself and one for St. Victor, with whom she's generally depicted. In the earliest version of her story, written by a 4th century deacon in Antioch, St. Corona publicly confessed her faith and comforted St. Victor, a Roman soldier, as he was being tortured and killed for his Christian faith. And then afterwards, she too was martyred. She was tied between two palm trees that had been bent to the ground and torn apart when the trees were allowed to snap back to full height. That, That's some suffering. What a, what a terribly creative 
yeah. m- mode of martyrdom. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And yet she was she was willing to undergo it. Um, she's not the patron saint of disease or pandemics, as has been reported. But you'll like this, Kathleen. Mm. She is the patron saint of treasure hunters. Are you, mateys? <laughs> Which has little to do with her story and more to do with the treasure hunter who credited his success to her intercession. But still. What treasures can you find in your house while you're, you know, quarantined? That's right. Yeah. There you go. I suppose. Saint Corona. It, pray for us. I was going to say, if nothing else, she is a member of the hallowed halls of saints. Absolutely. And we ask Saint Corona, Saint Victor, as well as Saint Sebastian, mm-hmm. uh, Saint Philomena. Uh, gosh, Saint, um, oh gosh, his name's in my head. Uh, there nope, it is. it's gone. All right, anyway, we ask all the <laughs> angels and saints to pray for Saint us. Saint Rock? Saint Rock, there, there it, it is. is. You got it, yeah. You know, uh, you really should pray for us because we are the Catholic Underground. There's no no quarantine on dancing even poorly oh, sorry anyway should be this should be yeah <laughs> yeah you're listening to the catholic underground we're online at catholicunderground.tv i am father chris joined by kathleen lee by father ryan humphreys who is in his rectory in uh, north louisiana also jeff blackwell and uh and ed are helping to switch the show um, from uh, from the satellite up there, but we're trying to figure out a way because uh, the state of Louisiana, as of as of us coming on the air at this time, uh, has issued kind of a stay at home order, mm-hmm. not kind of a stay at home order that's effective yeah. uh, for us beginning uh, tomorrow. So we're trying to figure out the best way we're going to get Catholic Underground to you. Um, so uh, so stay tuned. If nothing else, you might have to get old school. And um, in just a moment, or in, in later on in the show, we'll tell you all the ways that you can tune into the Catholic Underground for not only our program, but also some of the liturgical stuff that we're providing for you. Yeah. But until then, um, there are we tend to think that the masses that are not being offered publicly is right. something that's unprecedented. Yeah. But look, it's really not. No, this, look, people, <laughs> this is not new, right? But with dioceses um, around the world canceling, you know, out, the pictures of, of Pope Francis. Um, Blessing you know, the empty square. Looking out of the square. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. And for us, that's something that's um, shocking. Um, and, yeah. and you may already feel, you know, I don't know where you are. Maybe you are a daily communicant. Maybe you're a weekly communicant. And I, but I think even for those that, that have strayed from the Eucharist, mm-hmm. um, that there might be this feeling of being starved for the Eucharist. And so, you know, we're fighting this pandemic and it seems like the mass is more necessary now than ever. And it's frustrating because we can't get to it. Um, You know, but while public masses are canceled, the private ones continue and the body of Christ is able to receive the graces from those masses. And I think we should probably underscore that. Right. Because even though um, you're not sitting in the pew and even though you're not hopping into the communion line, those graces from the mass uh, that are innumerable can be transferred to you. In fact, Father, I don't know if you're doing this, but I'm making a very um, conscious effort whenever I offer the sacrifice of the Mass to ask the Lord only for the graces uh, for that, that are necessary for me as I receive the Eucharist, but then to give everything else to those in my parishes who need it. Yeah, a lot of my masses right now are what we call masses pro popolo, masses mm-hmm. for the people in yeah. the parish, living and dead. You know, and and certainly keeping in mind all those people who are sick and suffering um, at any number of levels. Because I mean, we have to remember, you know, this disease is killing 
you know, a, a good number of people, but right. there are, there are other worse diseases out there that are killing yeah. an awful lot of people that don't get this kind of attention. Right. And those folks need prayers just as much as if, if, if not more, uh, than people who are locked down in their homes, you know, right. that's exactly right. Uh, but that being said, uh, Kathleen, there are many who lived significant amounts of time without the sacraments. Sure. Yeah, there are plenty of saints and even more millions more Christians um, who've had similar experiences of being divorced from the mass. So being, being uh, not being it, able yeah. to receive the Eucharist. Uh, months, years go along without them being able to receive the sacraments. And so here are a few of them that we wanted to kind of go through. Probably you've never heard of any of them, um, but they have some really cool stories. Um, first off, and though they're not canonized, thousands and thousands of Japanese Christians lived without priests for nearly 250 years. That's right. They were expelled from, from Japan. Right. Well, the ones that weren't martyred were expelled. Right. And so the faithful there, they baptized their children in secret. They passed down the faith in whispered lessons. Right. Can you mm. imagine just like story, story time? You know, in my um, head, that's how you teach your sixth graders. Yeah. Whisper Whispered lessons. Oh yeah, I'm like, mm-hmm. want to, I say that all the time. I'm like, y'all want to hear something real cool, <laughs> you know? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, let me tell you, right? Um, they they prayed before images of of the Madonna and Child of Mary and Jesus uh, that were disguised to look like Buddhist images, right? Which was the the religion of of Japan. Right. And in 1858, Japan finally readmitted Christian missionaries who found 10,000 hidden Christians waiting for them. And they were just, they were waiting for yeah. priests. Yeah. They, and that's the thing, like, they're like, oh, you're, you're priests? Well, we've, yeah. we've been saving this church for you. Yeah. It you wasn't know? like in 250 years, you would think they'd be like, okay, forget it. Right. right. Well, you know, but no, they were like, oh, we're, we've been waiting for you to come. Right. And so imagine being raised with the near certainty that you would never in your life attend mass. Just hearing about you the would, mass. Yeah. You're just <laughs> hearing about it. It's like a, like this legend, right? This, this folklore. Um, and you, you only know of it because it's been passed down from your grandmothers. Right. Um, and this puts social distancing in perspective, mm-hmm. right? That these people for 250 years kept a faith that they weren't able to practice. Yeah. What? Yeah. You know, and, how, and we're struggling five days. Yeah. And I get it. I get it. But sure. But we might need to take it into but, but perspective. But these are the men and women. I mean, again, uh, now long gone to the, to right. the Lord. Um, these are the ones who are who know exactly what we're going through. This right. is why we have the intercession uh, of the saints. Right. Anybody who's now in heaven, uh, they know exactly what we're going to going through, and so they they can identify with us, and then they go to the heart of the Lord, right, and beg for the graces that we need. Yeah, we go on to talk about the saints of the 19th century Korea. They were in a um, a similar situation, and after the gospel was first preached by a servant of God Yebok and his companions in 1784, the church was run entirely by lay people until 1795. Wow. So 11 years. And at that point, blessed James Zhu Wenmo arrived and discovered 4,000 Catholics. <sighs> Only one of those 4,000 had ever seen a priest. Wow. What? And he served as the only priest in all of Korea for six years until guess what? He didn't just say, okay, I have a new assignment. He was martyred. Yep. Right. And this is, this is a similar theme that, you know, when we, when we talk about, you know, we were mentioned earlier about being obedient. Um, you know, there are people out there who, you know, are persecuted for their faith. We're going through a hard time and it's hard. Right. But, but, you know, we need to put that in perspective too. I think like yeah. you know, these people 
went into these places where they weren't weren't able to celebrate the mass, where they weren't able to celebrate the sacraments. These priests, these missionaries, pretty much knowing that they faced death, yeah, it was a it was a, lives a on the line. great possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and many many of them were, were martyred. And for the next thirty six years in Korea, uh, there there were again no masses until a small group of French priests arrived in eighteen thirty six. And guess what? <laughs> we're killed two years later. Yeah. Right. And so you know, can you imagine too being a people where missionary priests are coming in finally you're like oh i can celebrate the sacraments and then they're then they're found out right mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's not like they're deported and and you know kicked out of the country um but their lives are taken yeah yeah saint isaac jokes jokes yeah mm-hmm. you got it he may have been prepared for torture and martyrdom when he when he traveled to north america to evangelize native americans but as a priest, he wouldn't have expected to be deprived of the Eucharist himself until his hands were uh, marred by his captors. Yep, they made him unable right. to celebrate the Mass. Right, and at the time, a priest who was missing a thumb or, f- or forefinger was unable to celebrate the Mass. Yep. Why is that so? Uh, well, uh, Father Ryan, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there were a number of, um, of non-negotiables for a mm-hmm. priest, and still are actually in, in canon law. Mm-hmm. Um, that included like the left eye of the priest. Mm-hmm. Uh, the left eye priest calls the canonical eye because so, he reads the missile right. with that eyeball. Mm-hmm. And so that had to be in place. The priest had to be able to lift the sacred host because yeah. you have to be able to keep custody of your fingers. Right. So the, the thumb and the forefinger mm-hmm. are important. That's right. And yeah. I believe the right hand you had to have both of. I think the left hand wasn't sufficient. You had to have both the thumb and forefinger yeah. on the right hand in order to offer mass. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, uh, so yeah, he was the, the, his Mohawk captors. Right. Um, Interestingly enough, they 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 knew that he needed these. Right. He needed his digits. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? Yeah, and so he was unable to confess. confess. He was the only priest there. Right. So. He was unable to celebrate mass or even to attend mass. Yeah. What? Because he was the only one. Yeah, but he was given a special dispensation and permitted to celebrate mass again in spite of the state of his hands. And um, he requested permission to return to America. Right. And so he comes back to France. Right, seventeen months. Receives dispensation. Receives dispensation, and it, and like he's like, oh, and by Put the way, can in. I go back there? Man, what? Man. When you talk about like these are like the priests of our age that are doing these, um, these these masses online and these drive up confessions and these drive up you know uh, times of adoration. Yeah. These are like these are the these are our priests mm-hmm. right and they're putting themselves out there like i mean and I, I would venture to say just like these priests are like send me back in man i feel like right? a poser compared to isaac jokes no <laughs> no i think you're awesome but and he was actually killed not long after his return right so he goes back to america he's killed uh but his killer later repented and was baptized and took his name as his baptismal name wow what? See that's how cool. That's that's the man. That's when you know conversion takes. So like, and the one that I killed, I now will take his name upon yeah. myself. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's several other, um, you know, several other communities, several other saints who were deprived of the sacraments for one reason or another. We're gonna put those in our show notes. And if you're if you're looking for somebody to to Ask stand fast with. These are the people that you need to be looking at. That's right. We'll take a little bit of a break, but you know where to catch us on the other side of it. Be back in a sec. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy. 
our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Catholic Underground with me, Father Chris Decker, Kathleen Lee. We got Father Ryan up there with the smooth jazz. It's free for. Also, Jeff Blackwell and Ed Ball. Our picks of the week are coming up, but uh, you know, in the midst of all of this hullabaloo, ooh, yeah, yeah, chicanery, you might also say, <laughs> um, it's important to always keep in front of us the virtuous life. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, we, we must learn to fall back on virtue, right. not just the supernatural virtues, but also the the um, uh, the, the natural virtues as well. Um, in fact, uh, I, I have not done that well <laughs> this past week um, because, you know, one of the things that gets hard to do is to practice virtue whenever your your kind of nose is against the grindstone, you know. Yeah. Um, and yet, uh, Father Ryan. We know that there are at least four virtues that can help us to keep our eyes on Christ in this crisis. You mean to keep our eyes hinged in place, Father? Yes, hinged in place, <laughs> I believe, yes. Huzzah! As if it were on a pivot. <laughs> Obscure puns. The <laughs> cardinal virtues are, are so named because they are the hinges upon which Indeed. the Christian faith you know, turns. And so if we keep those in, in place, then we, like a door, will be attached to the solid frame of the faith. Uh, and so you know, we have those, those four virtues, which are wisdom, which is also uh, oftentimes called prudence. Mm-hmm. We have strength of character, which is often called fortitude. We have justice. And then we have temperance, which is the capacity to choose the good, uh, but not to overdo on anything. So you don't eat all of your uh, your your snacks that you've purchased, Kathleen. What? What? Yeah. Whoopsies. It does mean that you have to change out of your waking up pajamas into your walking around pajamas. Uh-huh, then you yes. have to change to your afternoon pajamas and into your evening pajamas. Mm. Then you go back to bed pajamas and you have to make sure you make those at least yes. four sea changes in a day. You know? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kathleen likes the idea of a costume change. Oh, I do. I've put on plenty of days of work clothes just so that I can feel like a human being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when it comes to, to virtue... Um, we again, because we tend to think that the the times in which we live are just the only times that that uh, that matter, um, and that this experience that we're having right now with uh, with the coronavirus mm-hmm. is the only time we've ever had to experience as a church right. some sort of massive, uh, you know, kind of worldwide yeah. uh, uh, change in the way that we do things. But in 1576, uh, the plague. That menaced north, the uh, the city of Milan took twenty five thousand lives, and even the civil government fled the city out of fear. Um, yeah. And that's when the Archbishop, um, you might remember him, Saint Charles Borromeo, he he took over. And that's really something, Father Ryan. The, the Archbishop says, "Well, the government's not here. I'll take over." Yeah. I have had enough of this. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, and he assured the people that he would not abandon them. And together with all the priests from the parishes and religious orders, he began to care for their material and spiritual needs. So mm-hmm. get this, 1576, the plague is ravaging Milan and then, you know, heading outward uh, mm-hmm. to all points in between. 
Charles Borromeo organized hospitals. He cared for orphans. He brought the sacraments to those who were quarantined in their homes. He got priests to offer masses in public squares and in the middle of streets so that people could participate from their houses. Does that sound familiar? Very cool. I mean, does that sound familiar? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've seen several just in the last two days of, of priests bringing the Eucharist out to just the street, like a street corner. Yeah. The Bishop I, of Tyler, Texas did yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, incredible. Bishop Strickland, yeah, he was uh, he was blessing people as they as they passed. And you know what's interesting uh, about the the Eucharistic processions that I've seen? I did one um, myself in mm-hmm. in one of my parishes. I was able to um, for after one of my daily masses. In fact, it was probably my last daily mass in that parish church. Um, how uh, how we've kind of suspended the requirement of having the Eucharist covered uh, whenever it's outside. So typically, when you carry the monstrance. In procession, it's supposed to be covered by a canopy mm-hmm. or an ombrellino or something. And again, because you're kind of battlefield commissioning things, yeah. um, I notice a lot of priests and even bishops are like, "Nope, it, it, it what matters yeah. now is I bring Christ to to them, yeah. to my people, to my flock." Yeah, and uh, and that's exactly what Charles Borromeo was doing for yeah. sure. Um, he was willing to to risk his life to care for both the souls and the bodies of those entrusted to him. Um, he said that Christ does not even request this pathetic life of ours, but only that we put it at risk. Mm. He said Christ died for us first, and so the least that we can do is put our life at risk mm. so that he can go to others. Huh? Yeah. Um, he, he said that um, he challenged people to pay attention not only what can kill the body like pestilence, but also what can harm the soul, comment, commenting that the devout souls of our brethren languish with desire for divine things. Mm-hmm. So he realizes that the source of, uh, of of true hunger is ultimately for divine things. And think about it, like all the stuff that, that you've got in your house, like, I, Jeff, I don't know, were you caught up in the toilet paper craze of 2020? <laughs> I, I still don't understand. I can't it. get uh, it. I don't, I, I don't either. I don't understand it, but that kind of... The, to me, more than anything, that was an attempt to fill an appetite. Like, yeah. I, mm. I don't know what to do. I must do something. Yeah. So I'm going to go into, at least in Louisiana, hurricane preparation sure. mode. Yeah. And well, right. It, may, may I add this? Because yeah. a dear friend of mine who is a Cajun, yeah. uh, and they think a little bit differently. You know, they got a real practical way of looking at things. He said, I go to the grocery store. I couldn't find no bread. There was no toilet paper. Now I would know what they're doing. They're making them toilet paper sandwiches. <laughs> so, yeah. That's right. That's, that's the right. only explanation. At dinner, you know, be quiet and eat your toilet paper, <laughs> yes, honey. indeed. Yeah. But I think that's what it is, is that we, we are attempting to fill our bodily appetites yeah. with, with comfort, right? Mm-hmm. Um, running out of toilet paper is just one of those things in 2020 that we can't imagine. Yeah. You know, and so so we begin to hoard it. And, and the th- same thing with bread and all these little, what we would call mm-hmm. the staples, you know. And yet... Charles Romeo says, don't be afraid of what can kill the body, mm-hmm. but what can harm the soul. And, and he says, ultimately, what we want is we have a desire for divine things. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing with people that, that truly desire. Their, you're frustrated because you can't go to your parish church for mass. Yeah. And believe me, as priests, we share that frustration for you and with you. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, so let's, let's look at some of these, these virtues that we need. Huh? Uh, the first, of course would be faith. Mm -hmm. The first is faith, to recognize that Christ, it is Christ who promised he would be with us always until the end of time. And that promise is true. He is good to his word. All right. Uh, And and I suppose we should say, Father, that uh, that faith is one of the theological virtues. And so it's infused within us, right, at the day of our baptism. 
Right. It's both a gift and a virtue. It's yeah. it's the kind of thing that's a spark within us that we have to fan into flame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so faith helps us to trust in God's providential care. Uh, and, and it's interesting that people say, you know, ah, well, you know, blind faith, blind faith, whatever, whatever. But no, mm-hmm. um, being able to to make that act of faith uh, with, with every bit of the will that we have, because that's one thing that we do have, mm-hmm. is we have free will. And with our will, we can say, Lord, I choose to trust in you and in your care for me. And, and that, uh, that, as a statement of the will, is what makes that spark fan into flame, huh? Um, when there's a temptation uh, in times of crisis, we can try to take control over things that human beings cannot control. Huh? Buying all the toilet paper, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I think that's yep. why faith is is easier to come by in poorer nations yeah. or in yeah. people. You know, like you go to you go to a barrio in 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 Mexico or sure. in Brazil, and there's a lot of faith there because there is nothing to fake it. There's yeah. nothing that can be an illusion of faith. But nowadays in the U.S., everything is fake faith. You know, mm-hmm. you can fake your faith with social media and you can get X number of likes on Instagram. And so you can fake your faith in that. You can fake your faith a hundred ways. But when that all goes away, you kind of have to look to that which is real. And yeah. when you look to that which is real, you have an incredible gift of faith. But we so rarely have an opportunity to have our fake stuff taken away from us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a there's a blessing here, you know, for faith in that. Absolutely. And, and uh, I think so many of you who attended uh, Mass virtually today mm-hmm. experienced perhaps a resurgence of that faith, a true hunger for your parish community, a true hunger for the Eucharist, mm-hmm. uh, a true uh, a true reception of spiritual communion, and and those are the things that that build faith in us. Yeah, and I think that, you know, I think people are realizing now that you have to participate in that. Yeah, you know, the, I've I've had so many people reach out to me, or, you know, or people that I've never talked to really about faith, even though it is what I do, and, and you know, yeah. it is, um, that have said, hey let's do a rosary or let's, Mm -hmm. where can I find a mass or, you know, that, that there's now this call to participate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because so much of, uh, of what we live in today is kind of, we, we live immersed at least, at least ankle deep in a pool of practical atheism right? Mm -hmm. where we live uh, as if God doesn't exist or as if God doesn't care, or if he does exist, who cares, you know? Um, And so it's faith that inspires us to do all that we can um, uh, with God, mm-hmm. you know, with him. I think we sometimes forget that one of the original gifts of God in the garden, right, before the fall of our first parents, was the gift of co-working. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he gave us the gift, because, I mean, God could have provided everything, well, he did provide everything, but he could have provided everything with like a, a pull tab, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And yet he allowed us to cultivate the earth. He allows us to cultivate the creation that he's given us. And, and and I think we we forget that God wants us to work with him and not apart from him. Yeah. And and working with him is making that act of faith to say, Lord, I I, I believe in you, I trust in you. And even when I can't see you present in, in every aspect of my life, I'm still going to say, Lord, I I'm 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 putting all all my chips on you, you know? Yeah. Um, knowing that our life is ultimately in God's hands. And I think that's also being tested as we have this mysterious disease that takes two weeks to incubate, right, and, and to, to manifest symptoms. And so a lot of us are, are having our faith tested that way of like, well, is it going to be me? And what does it mean? You know, right. am I in the age bracket or what? Yeah. 
the next one would be prudence, uh, as Father mentioned, uh, which helps us to discern the good in each circumstance among many competing goods mm-hmm. and to choose the right means to achieve whatever that good is. I remember, Father, in the seminary, um, our rector, Father Gregory, who is a gruff, uh, a gruff Benedictine, he says, men, you know, oftentimes in the seminary and in life, and as a priest, you're not going to be choosing between good and evil. Right. Mm-hmm. You're going to be choosing between good and what is better. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and that's an important thing. And prudence helps us to set a proper measure. Yeah. A, a proper rule and measure, something that's desperately needed in times of crisis. Because I, I know as, as Father and I were kind of watching the, the news cycle spin up, there's usually a lack of prudence in things. Yeah. Like if you just look at somebody's social media feed, right? Mm-hmm. Sharing every possible conspiracy theory, every possible um, not quite news site, you know, all this right, stuff. Yeah. And yet prudence is what says, you know, is what I'm sharing, is what I'm typing, is what I'm commenting, is this beneficial right. for the, another person's soul? Right. And I think sometimes you forget that that's not just our natural ability, but that's informed by our relationship with God as well. Right. Yeah. And And it's also informed by the church. I mean, I think that's one of the things that's easy to forget is that, that, that we're not just, you know, asking like a a kind of Jiminy cricket to grow within us, you know, to be (laughs) wise and prudent. Um, But, but the church is telling us these things are good. These are better. And, and the church is telling us these assumptions are good. These assumptions are bad. Um, You know, my entire sermon this morning at uh, at the mass in the ordinary form was about the whole question of what assumptions underlie the way that we live our lives, Mm. you know, and, and this is forcing us to call into question some of the basic, as you say, fundamentally atheist assumptions by which we lead our lives. And that's, you know, it's, it's an incredible opportunity for us to, to recognize that these assumptions don't work. You that's know, right. like the Pharisees in the gospel, well, you, your, you know, your sin caused your son to be blind. You know, he was healed, boom, and the head explodes because <laughs> the, the Pharisees don't know how to deal with two competing truths because they have faulty assumption, assumptions that put them in conflict with each other. You know, and prudence, part of prudence is acknowledging, I've got some stuff here that doesn't make sense to me. Well, not not how do I throw one away, but how do I find the way that they make sense? Because true is true. Good is good. God is God. Jesus is the truth, the way, the life. He can't contradict himself. Right. Exactly. And, and so it is the, the gift of prudence that also helps us to inform our conscience, how we ought to act. And that's where the church is so important. I mean, uh, you, you've heard me wax and wane about uh, how how uh, choose, uh, following our conscience is definitely necessary and primary, but our conscience must be formed. And one of the ways that we form our conscience is by learning what the church teaches about things, what she teaches in her moral theology, her moral life, and what she practices huh, in, in, uh, in regular Christian life. And then to be able to kind of weigh those things, and it's kind of the Holy Spirit that helps to set the balance, right? Uh, we believe that there's a spiritual power that, that can come in our truly saying, Lord, I wish to discern the yeah. good here yeah. and help me to choose the best here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, compassion, for example, is the means between apathy and sentimental indulgence, right? Mm-hmm. Being compassionate is willing to suffer with somebody. But it's the it's the middle way between being completely apathetic, and then just completely going all in and indulging in sentiment. Uh, courage, for example, is found within the extremes of cowardice and recklessness. Right? 
um, we, we know we have a lot of folks that, that uh, are just reckless and we call them courageous because they're willing to go where right. angels fear to tread. Yeah. But, but true courage is knowing when to step up mm-hmm. and when to say, this is worth the fight and when to, to hang back and say, hold, yeah. hold, hold now, <laughs> Yeah. you know, uh, and that's not be- being, being, um, courageous involves withholding, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, stepping back until the right time. In this present circumstance, prudence can help us to see that an overabundance of caution, you've been hearing that a lot, right? Out of an overabundance of caution, we are choosing to do X, huh? This is not a virtue, but a vice. And you've heard some health professionals say, like, at the end of all this, when we're looking back on it, we want folks to say they overreacted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's being prudent. And, uh, and that's how you, like when we talk about flattening the curve, right? Yeah. That's that buzzword phrase. Um, that's what we're talking about, uh, trying to, to be prudent on the right measure of caution. Um, prudence assists courage in helping people to know how to take the right risks. Yeah. And that's a, that's a virtue that, uh, that we are called to practice. Also, charity. Charity is that which helps us to sacrifice ourselves for the good of others, right? That's that's what true charity is, is willing the good of the other as other. And um, and that's just really a paraphrase of what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 13. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you, says Jesus, huh? And and he makes it very clear that, that our ability to be charitable is not just based in sentiment and whether I want to do it or not, but as a mandate of the Lord to lay down our life for others, to wash their feet, huh? Right. Uh, or, or squirt Purell in their hands, I suppose, you know? Uh, you know, we gotta, gotta isogeet a little bit here. Um, but yeah, so, so I mean, think about it in, in, your, in your own uh, family, right? Moms and dads, even the most temperately, uh, temperamentally timid and conflict averse, will instinctively protect their children in the face of a gunman, in the face of bombs, of tornadoes, right. of, of sickness and illness, huh? Mm-hmm. They will protect their children and it just snaps right in. Right. In fact, if you're a new parent or maybe you've been a parent forever, you're probably one of those like, when you look back and you go, wow, I just snatched him away from that. How did yeah. I do that? Mm-hmm. You know, and yet that that's when charity takes over as a virtue. And and that's the thing about virtues is that when we practice our vir- the virtues, right, when we when we kind of let them grow within us, they become effortless, mm-hmm. not not something that that, uh, you know, doesn't take effort to, to kind of call to bear, but they become so effortless in that that's our knee jerk. Our knee jerk is not vice. Mm-hmm. Our knee jerk is I will do the right thing because it's right. Yeah. I will do the courageous thing because it's courageous. And and in that way, we become more and more like Jesus, who always chooses the right because he is right himself. Huh? Yeah. And we right. we ourselves are able to participate that in that whenever we let we let uh, the virtuous life overtake us. Huh? The greater the love, the greater the audacity. We are able yeah. to be audacious. A courage doesn't mean fearlessness, but it means that we ought to, despite our fear, love. And love gives us strength to overcome fear and do what love demands. Because mm-hmm. as Father Ryan will remind you, fear is the mind killer. It is. I must face my fear and let it pass through me. <laughs> that's right. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a Dune quote, Jeff. Dune. It is. Oh, I, yeah. it's been a long time. <laughs> and Frank yeah. Miller, it's worth your time. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Thankfully, Kathleen, uh, for your impending pet desires, yes. mm-hmm. uh, we do not have worm sign. So. 
Thank goodness. Yeah. And you would yeah. not want to say. No, and worm. I do have to correct. It's not Frank Miller. It's Frank Her- a- Herbert. Frank I'm Herbert. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, come on. I'm sorry. Yeah, Kathleen. Uh, Frank's right. You do not want an arachis sandworm. I'm just telling you. Mm. I don't think that uh, sounds yeah, be honest. fun. That's right. Uh, Nor do you want your name to be a killing word, but no. we might get be on a sidetrack here. Actually, yeah. I think Kathleen's name is a cupcake word. Yeah, patience. Oh. Patience would be <laughs> the next virtue. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this is one. This is in like the top ten, probably the top three of Father. I need more patience. Right, patience. Yeah. Which means principally not an ability to wait. I'm going to say this again. Not an ability to wait. Oftentimes we think patience is an ability to wait. Mm -hmm. It is not that. It is actually a capacity to suffer. Interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just let that land there in silence for just that long suffering. The word patience comes from the Latin patior, which means to suffer, which is why we call the sick in the hospitals patience. Patience. Paciencia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Courage requires that we do not have an excessive fear of pain or where our fear of pain ultimately derives, which is the fear of death. And so when we talk about patience, we're talking about a capacity to suffer with and to suffer personally. Yeah. I know for, you know, this may be true for you. I know my introverted friends are super excited mm-hmm. <laughs> about what's going on. Uh, not Maybe not super excited. Right, because their whole world became the, a library. Right. <laughs> the ability to stay home for an extrovert like me, and, and I say it in jest a lot of times, um, but there's real, real fear and anxiety mm-hmm. of what the next few weeks are going to look like simply yeah. f- for the fact that I'm an extrovert. Yeah. Um, and, and I know in my own, in my own being um, that when I'm, when I shut myself away for a few days, it's not good. Yeah. Um, and so this, the, the idea of patience, see, you know, I know that I'll suffer mm-hmm. and not just from my creature comforts, all that kind of thing. But I know that I, I will, you know, the fear of being alone with my thoughts, the fear yeah. of just being alone in general, um, I'm going to suffer. And so I know patience is something that, um, that, that I myself am going to be dealing with for the next who knows? Who knows? That's right. Who knows? And so, um, something that I know, you know, especially tonight looking at this, um, something that I'll be bringing to prayer is Lord, how is it that you want me to be patient? Yeah. How is it that you want me to suffer? Mm-hmm. You know, and what do you want me to do with that suffering? Cause I know it's coming. You That's know? right. Crises like the present situation, uh, are times for Catholics united with Christ to truly shine. This is a time where we can be salt and leaven and we're called to help everyone else become courageous in the face of these threats. And it's a time for us to show that we really, truly believe the words of Jesus. Take courage. It is mm-hmm. I. Do not be afraid. Um, the, the waves are going to crash, attempt to crash over us. Uh, again, you know, it's um, the, the spirit, the world, and the flesh. <laughs> the, the waves are going to attempt to, t- to overtake us. And yet, this is a time to stand up and say, Lord, it is you. Yeah. I will not be afraid. Huh? All right, we could go on. If you want that article, we'll put it in the show notes uh, by Father Roger Landry, uh, who's writing for the National Catholic Register. We'll put that in the show notes for you, along with all the other show notes that you can find at catholicunderground.tv. Our picks of the week, um, well, why don't we just go to that part of the show that we like to call? The CU Pick of the Week. All righty, for our CUP, sorry for the fake out there, Woo! Jeff. I, That's I, all right. I, uh, I forgot to read my script properly. But, but, but for the first pick of the week, well, Kathleen, we usually start with you, so yeah. let's start with you. Okay, I know a lot of people out there, a lot of artists, musicians um, are, are struggling. Yep. 
And there have been a lot of people who are because, you know, because they're based on, uh, you know, performance art yeah, and or commission or something. Yeah. Like that. And yep. we aren't really focusing on that right now, but, um, I've used him as my pick of the week before, but there's a local artist, uh, Jacob Zumo local to us, local to us here in Louisiana. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal artist. And what he's done is he's realized, you know, that, um, our local missionaries of charity, um, they run a shelter for women and children and they're out of, they're out of stuff. You mm-hmm. know, they, they've had to buy in bulk and you can imagine, there's not a lot of bulk to buy. Um, and so what he has done is he's is, is calling it a call to rise. And he has um, created an image of the praying hands in his style. It's beautiful. Um, and you can you buy it. And part of those proceeds are going to the missionaries of charity um, to to help them provide for the the poor for those women and children who are in their shelter for the people who come to them for meals every day you can buy a print for 40 bucks or you can buy an original for 200 bucks um and it's it's all there if you're looking for some way to give back if you're looking for something to support um jacob zuma will have the link in the in the show notes very cool yeah father ryan uh, it's been a while for you what's your pick of the week well, I've mentioned uh, in the pre-show that I'm getting involved in 3D printing, and actually I'm, I'm working on a print right now that will help me mount my iPad more effectively uh, to a mic stand I'm using for the Mass in nice, Church. Nice, um, nice, so nice. It's, it's incredibly cool. Uh, just a couple of years ago, the 3D printing cost, you know, two, three thousand dollars The first time I, I looked into it, it was $3,750 for the El Cheapo model. Um, and so I've been kind of keeping up with what's going on, and now Nowadays, uh, there are kits that you have to put it together yourself. You know, you're building a printer. They send you the parts. In fact, um, wasn't it's the not printing quite... also part of the kit? Like once you had it together, you had mods for yeah, the printer? Yeah, once you had it together, you had to you print mods for the kit that you just assembled. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, but I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm no uh, no brilliant assembler of things. It's not soldering, you know, motherboards together. But it was it took about two and a half hours to put together. Uh, I have the Creality Ender Three Pro, which cost me about two hundred and seventy five dollars. Mm-hmm. I bought some filament and I bought some stuff to go with it, and I'm into it for about three hundred and fifty bucks. And I've got a working three D printer, uh, which allowed wow. me to print, you know, some organizational stuff for my desk, uh, some you know USB holes. Uh, some some neat stuff, some quirky stuff, uh, and like I said, I'm printing now some useful stuff for use in this time. Uh, you can you can get involved in this relatively cheap now. If you want the the all put together for you and ready to go thing, you're still looking at a thousand bucks. But if you want to kind of just get in on the on the the basic stuff where you can start printing and just see whether it's interesting for you, it's great for homeschoolers, great for kind of a STEM course, uh, great for for families who are just trying to do something that's a little different. Uh, The whole thing is about 18 inches by 18 inches by about two feet tall. So it's not huge. You don't need a ton of space. Um, and like I said, it's, it's relatively cheap. So I had the Ender 3 Pro uh, from Creality. It's about 300 bucks on Amazon. Um, and if you are going to get one, make sure you look for a good YouTube video to put it together. They sent me a one-page IKEA-looking thing and <laughs> oh, said, no. here, put together this printer. And I was like, you've got to be kidding. Wow. Um, but there's a bunch of great stuff out there. The filament is relatively cheap. And so uh, if you're in any way interested in this kind of stuff. It's a great time to get involved. I'm having a good time with it. And so uh, certainly want to pick that for folks who might be, you know, in that kind, yeah. of, kind of camp. Definitely fascinating. But, you know, Amazon has those iPad holders that go on a mic stand for 25 bucks. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's not, not fun, though. 
<laughs> this is more fun. This is a much, much. Is a, there's something about taking a thing and saying, this didn't exist. You know, I mean, it, just, I know. it, it, it didn't exist. I, I, no, it really is fascinating. I, I can't wait to see the finished product. Yeah, and, and Jeff, if yeah. you don't mind, yeah. I'm going to preempt your and my pick of the week okay. just to give some programming updates uh, for those of you who are uh, are watching us uh, on Facebook. So we have a very long list. In fact, this is a pick of the week. Jeff and I share it. Uh, this is our weekly yeah. schedule for the Catholic Underground, Monday through Friday at facebook.com slash Catholic Underground. We're going to offer Mass in the Ordinary Form at 8.30, at 9.15, Holy Mass in the Extraordinary Form at 9 o'clock p.m. I'm doing a Compline, which is the night prayer of the Church, as well as a check-in to see how everybody's doing at 9 p.m. These are all central daylight time, by the way. Mm. Wednesday and Friday, uh, Deacon Joshua LeBlanc is going to do the Stations of the Cross, uh, at 8 p.m. Central Time. On Saturday at 9.15, Father Ryan is going to offer Mass in the ordinary form. And on Sunday at 8.15, um, uh, Father Ryan offers Mass in the extraordinary form. 9.15, Holy Mass in the ordinary form. At 11 a.m., I will offer Mass in the ordinary form. And then 7 p.m., the Catholic Underground program. Yep. And then we'll try and stir Kathleen in there as well. So yes. we just wanted to give you the updates. Again, times are subject to change, but right now, all those Central Times... If you want all that information, you can go to catholicunderground.com and we'll make sure that it's up on the website or just like us on facebook.com slash catholicunderground. All righty, Jeff, we're always grateful for our growing number of undergrounders, aren't we? Indeed we are. And this week, the Catholic Underground is possible because of people just like you. Join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. An important way to support us is to like us, heart us, star us, share us on your social media platform of choice, and leave a review, if you will. That helps a lot, too. That's exactly right. Our panelists this week have been Kathleen Lee, the Faith Ninja, and Hope Samurai at Kaylee626 on the Instagram. Thank you, Kathleen. Anytime. Also, Father Ryan Humphreys is at FR Humphreys. Thank you, Father, for joining us. It has been my pleasure. Our technical director is Jeff Blackwell at Jeff Blackwell us on the Instagram and Twitter. Thank you, Jeff. It is a privilege, fathers. Our research assistant is also uh, quarantined. Uh, leader of the crew in the lab is Jim Hayes. Our video and graphics director is Ed Ball. And you know me, I'm Father Chris. You can follow me on Instagram at Digital Catholic. We hope that we've helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice. It's there. We are the Catholic Underground. We are Faith Gone Digital. We'll see you next time, and please take care of each other, and we will pray for each other. Oremus pro in vicem. See you next time. Catholic.